Hey, I'm excited to welcome a new sponsor to the show. Twine is a money-saving app that makes it easier for you to, to save up for your financial goals. Maybe you're trying to save to, uh, to launch a new business or a new project or just, um, you know, you, you got some big, big plans in your future and you need to have cash. So Twine helps you do that. It, it allows you to set it and forget it with automatic deposits from your bank account. So you can save without even trying and uh, remove that temptation to spend that cash that's sitting in your pocket. Um, it lets you save up for the things that matter. All it takes is $5 and two minutes to get started. Right now, Twine will give you $15 to help you save for your goals. Go to twine.com slash rebel. When you, uh, when you open your first goal, Twine will add $15 to your account. Twine.com slash rebel today for $15 to your first savings goal. Start saving with twine.com slash rebel. Uh, hey, I'm Bob Mazeloski from Techstars Music, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. All right, Josh, fine. Fuck you. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the Rebels that are shaping our culture. We talk about how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine. In studio with me today is Bob Moz. He's the managing director of Techstars Music. Uh, If you're not familiar with Techstars, it's a tech accelerator, which is working with companies that are solving problems for music. So they find companies, they put money and resources behind them. They bring professionals like me in to mentor them. And basically, they help these companies get off the ground, find their market, uh, refine their product, all the stuff that it takes to be successful in that environment. Bob's got some great stories about his journey um, into this position through Twitter and, and other places um, and also offers his perspectives on entrepreneurship, on building businesses, on the future of music. There's great stuff coming up in this one right after our EDM.com track of the week. Yeah, that was Dimes with Running Man, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out more new music. And now let's get into the interview with my man Bob Moz. Tell me how this works. You, um, I, listen, I, I listen to some of the shows. Um, yeah, um, I'm, like you have some really cool guests. I'm a little nervous that I don't make the 
I don't make I don't I don't I don't clear the cultural like relevant bar. No, like people so, are gonna be like, oh cool, those are great guests. Like, fucks with that guy. What do you get that nerd on there for? That's good. That imposter syndrome is always uh, it's a key element of success. Uh, that's one of the things we've learned. I'm just to all these people. I was listening to the shows. Feels like they don't make the cut. Really? As a as a general rule. Esteban Oriol didn't feel it didn't sound to me like he didn't like he felt like he kind of belonged. It seemed to me. Fair enough. <laughs> like um, that dude is so talented. Yeah. Like I was surprised. I was like, I but never he had really this heard great him. Story of like his dream job yeah. is right in front of him, and he blows it. He blows it. And he luckily so had this good. wife who put her foot in his ass and made him, you know, get through it. I thought the story about the lady at the photo lab was the best. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Totally. Like, you just took your photos to the photo lab? That's how it happened? Right. Like, you're one of the best photographers, like, in, in, like, in, the, in, like in the U.S. Like, I'm a kind of a nerd art fan. Are you? Like, I think he's so underrated. Yeah. Like, who else would have ever been able to take pictures that made you feel that way? And sure. if you are from a, like, I'm not from L.A. I've only right. lived here for 15, 16 years. Um, but I always loved it and cared about it and like mm-hmm. dreamed about it, like living in the Midwest. And it just like the, the, those pictures are like, like they have the feeling of the city. Like there's, yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. Like, no, right. but that's you're a right. magical thing. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's not any different than like impressionists painting Paris and everybody else painting Paris after the impressionists or, or the, yeah. or like Picasso's blue period and that whole like mm-hmm. 1920s to the forties or whatever. Like that whole scene, like that's how Paris gets painted now forever for like the next 500 years till some other kid figures out how to do it differently. But it takes natives. For sure. Like that's how you depict Los Angeles. Right. Like that's it. Yeah. And it takes, you know, a guy like that who gets um, that, you know, Cholo culture is part of Los Angeles Mm -hmm. as is celebrity. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the... um, Cars, graffiti. Right? Yeah, like so these like, things are yeah. are part of the fabric of what it means to be here, mm-hmm. and part of the reason that LA has this outsized impact on the rest of the world, right? And so, but if you come at it from a kind of true journalistic perspective, meaning you have that distance, then it doesn't, you don't capture it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so, Esteban, like feels like he belongs kind of to your point right like he he belongs with Robert De Niro and he belongs with some dude with tattoos all over his face right in the same way yeah and he doesn't treat either one like uh like they're strangers I I just like I don't know him never worked with him never met him don't have any connection to him at all I'm 100% just a fan yeah and it I was just like wow like I can't believe that you didn't know that your, those photos were that good. Right. Like, I was just shocked by him telling that story of, like, yeah. dude, you have no idea? But you're the same. I'm going to tell you why. And this is why. Oh, I, uh, give me a break. <laughs> give me a giant No, break. you are. And this is why I wanted to talk to you, because um, the world is enamored by tech. Yeah. And, and our tech. Me too. And our, sure, and our tech CEOs have become celebrities. Uh, and you know, are having, you know, it's a yeah. new phenomenon that, you know, I remember yeah. when like Lee Iacocca was on the news and we heard about that and I was at the age where like, that was probably the first CEO. Celebrity I ever CEO. Heard, right. Yeah. 
But that's a that's not a normal thing. We don't know who's the CEO. I did a CEO. book report on the Iacocca book in third grade. Yeah. And everybody was like, fuck that kid. Like, who is that kid? They're like, you didn't read that book? And I was like, uh, yeah, I did. Sure. Like, okay, whatever, yeah. nerd. Right. It was not cool. No, but now if you're doing a, a book report on Mark Zuckerberg, like, that is cool. Yeah, for sure. Right. But, like, my role in tech is not, um, I'm not one of those guys. But right? you're finding those guys. Yeah, I mean, I hope. Like, cross your fingers. Like, well, let's talk about what you're uh, doing. Other, otherwise, I should go get a job, right? Like, I bet, I hope I am. That's right. Um, well, yeah, we should. Like, we should probably tell people what I. Nobody knows who I am. Um, how do we start that? What do we do? Well, so thank you for being here. Okay. I appreciate you taking time on your day off to uh, come talk to me. Yeah, I love um, it. I am fascinated with what you do, and and I think it's a really interesting and valuable program, and so. I'm excited to learn about it and your journey specifically. So, um, but yeah, let's tell people what Techstars Music is. Okay. And then I want to dig into why and, and how you've made this life for yourself. But okay. anyone yeah, doesn't so, know. Um, my name is Bob Mazlowski. I'm the managing director of Techstars Music. It's an accelerator. We make venture investments in companies solving problems for music. We make okay. 10 investments a year. Mm -hmm. I am part of a team at Techstars globally that um, runs these accelerator programs all over the planet. So we have 45 of these programs. Mm. Um, Singapore, London, Berlin, Boulder, Chicago, LA, Seattle, New York, right? all, all, Paris, all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, some of those programs um, are uh, what we call city programs. And so they don't have like a, um, a specific industry or um, investment thesis about um, a, a specific kind of tech or a, a specific category or, or that sort of thing, mm -hmm. their thesis is regional. Mm -hmm. So in, in, um, like in the office that you come to, when you come and do mentor meetings and meet the companies and help the startups, yeah. in that office in the fall, Techstars LA runs. Right. And Anna Barber, who's my colleague, she's here in LA, and it's her job to find the 10 most interesting sort of seed stage startups in LA and help, you know, help push them forward and make them go faster. Cool. Um, so we have city programs, that's most of our programs. Then we have sort of some programs that we run in cooperation with big companies. Mm -hmm. So like with Barclays, um, the big bank, we run a bunch of fintech programs oh, all cool. over the world. And so those the, the 10 companies that go through that accelerator are only fintech companies. Nice. And they're working really closely with us and with Barclays. Mm -hmm. And then we have my favorite kind of program. A little, I'm obviously biased, um, is we have these these like vertical specific programs. We yeah. have Techstars Impact around impact investing. Oh, cool. Like uh, for-profit investing that like makes a positive social change in the world. Um, not nonprofits, mm -hmm. still businesses, but like that their after effects of the businesses are are awesome. That's in uh, Austin. It's run by my colleague Zoe Schlag. Super cool um, program. In Minnesota, we have Farm to Fork, which is like 10 oh, companies cool. doing like farm to fork stuff um, around like better nutrition, sustainable agriculture, that kind of thing. Nice. In Detroit, we run mobility. Yeah. Like, and so, and then the mobility is like, was the, like the model program for music. Mm. Um, so my colleague Ted runs that and he has a consortium of Ford and Continental Tire and Verizon Telmatics and Munich RE and all these like major players in the auto industry. Yeah. Helping with him with funding and space and advice and mentorship, and then he's running Techstars Mobility, making ten investments in mobility-related startups. 
And then here in LA, we run Techstars Music. Mm -hmm. We scour the planet. So half the year I'm traveling all over the world, meeting en nice. engineers and meeting founders and trying to figure out where um, music is headed. And it might be live events, it might be ticketing, it might be marketing, it might be what happens in the show, it might mm -hmm. be merch, it might be making music, it might be distributing music, it might be how royalties and money moves, um, it might be how you, how you learn music, like yeah. if you're a kid, um, it might be how music is used in healthcare. So like right. our, anything that touches um, music related stuff comes through me on our investment team. And our thesis is that there are sort of 20 great music related not music companies, but mm -hmm. music-related, companies solving problems for music. Mm -hmm. There's 20 great new music-related tech companies a year. Our goal is to invest in half of them at wow. the seed stage. Yeah. We're going to be wrong 50 to 80% of the time. Okay. Right? So our goal is to make sure that 25% <clears throat> of the most important startups over the next decade in music are mm -hmm. in our portfolio. Interesting. That's our goal. Yeah. So far, so good. Like, we're a little over that right now, but okay. that's all, you know, a little bit of that's hype. Yeah. We'll see what happens when yeah, of companies actually play out. Um, but that's how it works. So that's what we do. So I'm not really a VC. Mm -hmm. My job is, a, um, to your point a minute ago, I'm a talent scout. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for people who are in love with a problem that if they figure out an ingenious way to solve it, they and their investors make tons of money. Um, wow. I'm trying to get them into the venture ecosystem sure so not little companies but companies that could be big giant scalable companies yeah i'm so happy to have honeybook as a sponsor on rebel radio because i know a lot of you just like me have your own businesses um you started something around your creativity and and that's what you love doing but you know running a business you have to do it all right you got to handle the contracts the payments the proposals, all the stuff that's not really what you care about, but it has to get done, right? Because you got to get that money. So HoneyBook is an online business management tool that lets you organize all those communications in one place. Uh, it integrates with your existing software like QuickBooks, Google Suite, MailChimp, whatever you use. And it, it just makes it simple to run your business better. They give you templates, signatures, automation to keep everything on track that you focus on the work that you really love to do. Save time, do more of what you love with HoneyBook. Right now, HoneyBook is offering Rebel Radio listeners 50% off your first year with the promo code REBEL. Payment's flexible and the promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to HoneyBook.com, use the promo code REBEL for 50% off your first year. Don't be stupid, do it now. That's HoneyBook.com, promo code REBEL. So tell me why um, why does this accelerator model work? Why why is faster a good idea? Yeah, so we talk about it a lot. Um, big tech stars thing uh, do more faster. Mm -hmm. um, one of the goals uh, is try to do like a year's worth of work in three months, and a lot of it is just down to um, rapidly uh, collecting feedback. Mm -hmm. So if you're a company that you think um, record labels could use for some part of their process. Whether it's, let's say, it's, say you're a company that helps them manage their media catalog mm -hmm. and find what's in it and make sure they have assets and they're quick to respond to opportunities and they can build and monetize things. Right. Let's say that's your company or make it made up company. Yeah, yeah. If you don't come to our program, 
how long does it take you to build a network in music? Maybe it could be years. Years, right? Yeah. In our program, in the first six weeks of the program, they will, we have a pool of 300 mentors from the global music business who mm -hmm. will come and spend 20, 30 minutes with them and give them a chance to build a relationship. Yeah. Right? So they'll have 105 individual one-on-one -on -one meetings with, and like, you know, you've seen our mentor list. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not, like it's not like junior people. No, right? no. It's super senior it's folks. important people than me. Um, yeah, we let you hang around. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. No, you're very helpful. You're a really good mentor. Um, so it's like, like that list, like those people like build relationships yeah. and because we have 10 companies from around the world in one office and we try to like make it feel good to be in our office. Like if you're a mentor, we try to like, mm -hmm. like make it feel good to be part of it. But all those people are coming to like under the, under what we call, um, sort of a guiding principle of, 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 our, of Techstars and of the accelerator is give first, right? right? We have the big neon sign in the office when you walk in is give mm -hmm. first. And the idea is there is that you are here as a mentor to help these startups without with zero quid pro quo. Mm -hmm. like you're not here because you're going to get a couple of points as a company or they're going to pay you a consulting fee or you're, they're going to do something that you're going to turn around and sell or they're right. going to become your client. None of that's allowed in our, in our office, yeah. right? So it's, we, have, we have these companies for 13 weeks. Everybody's here to volunteer, so they're only there to be helpful. Mm -hmm. And um, because they're all there in that setup, like we end up with like convening power. Like, oh, that guy's going to mentor? Yeah. Well, I should go and mentor. Like, oh, you're part of that? Oh, cool. Like, I should be part of that too. Like, oh, that's happening? That company came out of there? Oh, well, I better go in there and see what's coming next. Yeah. And so it becomes this thing that feeds on itself of people just giving freely of their time and their expertise. Um, and the companies, like, like, what a gift, right? Mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh. In the first six weeks of the program, they can build a whole network yeah. and then start to work out from that. And so the the... That's why faster is better, right? What's the downside to, to speed? There's the, there, are, there are a couple. Um, and I'm, right now I'm sort of like acutely aware of one, which is like in this year's program, which you, you've seen these companies from this year's class. Mm -hmm. They're incredibly technical. Like this right. year's class is like, it's science project year at Techstars mm -hmm. Music. Like we have some deep tech, like hardcore engineering talent in the room yeah. and not a lot of business people. Like there's not a lot of like MBA type mm -hmm. um, one team's from Japan, one team's from two teams are from Australia, one team's from France. Like we have some yeah. language issues and we have some culture issues. Um, and we also have like a process that is, that is robbing these engineers of their normal mm. dev time. Right. And so it's temporary and it's short and yeah. they need all of this feedback so that they know what they're building. Yeah. And they need to hear that people don't care about the, that feature or they don't care about that thing but they like this thing a lot they can mm -hmm. make a bunch of money with that mm -hmm. so they need the information but the process of gathering the information has slowed down technical process a mm. little bit like not like dramatically like it's a disaster yeah but like a couple of teams are like we're not going to be in the office tomorrow we're going to stay home and just write code for 48 hours straight yeah like, please do go yeah. so like you get you the pace that we work at in the program is not sustainable mm -hmm. and shouldn't be sustain shouldn't be anybody's goal. Like we actually have a lot of like stuff we talk about, about, you know, all that just like, a, you know, people with startups and it happens in music and culture too. Like I'm on that grind, man. I'm just hustling whatever the fuck that, like, it's so bad for you. Go yeah. to bed. Yeah. Right. Like you want to be great tomorrow, go to bed. Yeah. Like you got four or five, hours where you're world-class in a day mm -hmm. tops sure five yeah, if five if you're a superhero 
Right. Right? Yeah. Six if you're Karen, whatever, right? But like you get like a <laughs> finite amount. That's right. Like that. Um, there's no chance that if you've been up for two days straight that what you are doing is your best work. Like zero yeah. percent chance. Yeah. So it's like I'm it's a constant battle, like the tension of like do more faster, do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. so we're trying to save people time, we're not trying to make them work really hard. Mm. Those are two different things. Interesting. Yeah. You have to work insanely hard to build a business sure. of any kind. Yeah. But you can't you can't work um hard for hard's sake. I like the I mean I I have this, you know, I remember like so I was that was sort of I had front row seats to the like dot com boom and bust, right? Like I wasn't uh-huh. in it but I was dealing with a bunch of those companies and so yeah. and I developed this idea at the time that people had forgotten it takes nine months to make a baby. <laughs> totally. Right? Totally. For sure. And that like sure. you could just skip steps and that would be okay. Mm-hmm. And so um Well like that company Endel. Yeah. Right. It's in the press all over the all over this week. Like you can't. Yeah. You literally cannot open a web browser, uh, read a yeah, cultural just, magazine without reading about Endel. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, and they have the Warner deal too. Like Warner's mm. putting the music out in the Spotify. Right. Um, they have a promoter to Apple. They were the number one app in Japan yeah. in February in the whole country. Yeah. Like, not in the whole store. Yeah, yeah. Not like the music app, but like the number one app. Yeah. Um, and you know, rewind an, a year ago, those dudes are in the office. There's these adorable Russian guys. Um, they live in Berlin. They had a company before called Bubble. They built this product, Endel, that helps you focus, gives you customized audio environments. Mm-hmm. And it's really like a smart home controller company. Like, they create atmospheres. Yeah. They don't really make music. It's procedurally generated sound design. It right. sounds kind of like music, but it's, like, designed to get you to focus and relax. And you should edit some in right now so everybody just, like, yeah, yeah. chill out. Right now, it's a little Endel right here. Um Okay, so now, now that you're relaxed. Um, so that company did a deal with Warner to distribute sort of static playlists into Spotify under yep. like those themed playlists, right? Yep. It's everywhere. The Verge, like Warner signs an algorithm. This, like, this algorithm signed to a record deal. It was like, what the, like, okay, like you don't understand how a distribution deal works, right? right. So it got a little hypey. But um, the point I was trying to make is that like a year ago, everybody was like, those Russian dudes are crazy. And now it's like the hottest app on the planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody was like, wow, what changed? I was like, well, they did 12 months worth of work. Right. <laughs> like, they, like, yeah. they like one foot in front of the other and like they didn't quit and they, they're really talented. Yeah. And then now here's what happens a year later. So like, you're like, it takes nine months to make a baby is like a perfect reminder of, of like, you see something as a snapshot in time. Mm-hmm. And so, like as an investor and as like a talent scout, my job is to try to like see it multiple times yeah. and measure the progress from like the first time I saw it to the last time I saw it. Yeah. And the same thing happens with the investors that come visit my program. Like we have an investor who's been coming around this, like we're in our third year, like we've made 30 investments. He's just about to make his first investment in one of our portfolio companies. And it's in a company from the first class that he's mm. been watching for three years. Interesting. Like that's how long sometimes it takes. Yeah. So um, let's talk about you. Oh, okay. It's more fun to talk about the companies. Yeah, but so so in so you're a, you're a talent scout as you described, and I guess in, yeah well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm just trying to like think of it in like super plain terms, yeah. right? Like I make investments, but like I only I I I deploy 1.2 million dollars a year in yeah. actual capital, and I spend another million dollars a year, a little more than a million. 
um, like making those investments more valuable. Right. And finding them. So why, what is it? I'm not a VC, right? A VC is like, I'm right. Has a big fund and whatever. Yeah. And like, I've very limited setup. Yeah. But you know, so I guess my question is, you know, why music? Can't help you? it. Yeah. Can't. It's like, I only care, I only care about a couple of things. Like it's just, I just don't have that many interests. Um, I'm just a voracious fan of it. Yeah. Like a lot. I've always ever, always I've, have been. I've always worked in tech, but only tech related to music. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's like, oh, you've worked in the music business for so long. I was like, I've never worked in the music business. I've never right. had a music job. I've only ever worked in tech. But, you know, I was at Yahoo Music. Right. Then I was at Topspin. Then I was a head of music at Twitter for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Now I'm doing this. Like it's all tech related to music. So how'd you get to that point? What was the, uh, you know, you had a, you had a traditional, you went to college. Yeah. And, um, right. And so I got a bad job out of college working for um, the Kansas City Star. Okay. I got a journalism degree. Yeah. I worked for a newspaper in the pre-press department. Mm-hmm. It's my job to like, I was the only person who knew how pro- PostScript worked. If you remember PostScript. I do remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I can tear up some Cork Express uh, a decade ago. <laughs> um, and then I worked for like a convention publishing company. Okay. That would like, would go, you'd go to conventions and would produce all the media, the websites, the yep. book, the, all the stuff, the newspaper, all the stuff that would happen at the event. Um, so I did that for five years. Um, and then I went to grad school at Carnegie Mellon and studied uh, entertainment management. Mm-hmm. I came out here and had to do an internship working for Paula Wagner and Tom Cruise. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, um, that's when I learned about non-disclosure agreements, <laughs> confidentiality agreements. Yeah. Um, I ended up babysitting his, the, his kid for an hour. Uh-huh. I ended up locking me and Peter Fonda like in the bulletproof reception box at their office because like you had to like, you couldn't get in and then it was like bulletproof glass, whatever, in case a crazy person came, you know, a stalker or something came in. And like, I was there supposed to be like helping them with internet research and digital strategy. And like everybody went to lunch and they're like, you're on the phones, new guy. And I was like, I don't know how to even work. The phone had like so many buttons. It was like, I couldn't even, I couldn't even, I couldn't figure it out. And Peter Fonda came in like for a meeting with Paula and she was, everybody was gone but me. And like, he was early. Uh And so I asked him if he wanted a drink of water or whatever. And I was like trying to do my best impersonation of a Hollywood assistant. Like Uh I didn't know how that worked. Sure. I got him, I got him the water and I went out there and like let the door close behind me. (laughs) So like me and Peter Fonda are locked in this box. Like can't get in the office, can't go anywhere, can't call anyone. Wow. Yeah. I, so I called my friend Cody Sims, who works at Techstars now, uh-huh. who was working um, at Yahoo at the time. And I was like, rescue me. I will work for free. I will do anything. Yeah. And that's how I met Ian Rogers. And then he and I sort of like, I sort of like spent the next seven, eight years kind of as his right hand. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. But like all through college and growing up and being a kid, voracious music fan yeah. would like help other local bands and care about them and did you play music no i never no. really played i mean i tried we had one little goofy like basement band but like nothing real what were you into um like listening wise huh? oh god like we could spend the whole podcast just talking about records if you want well, I know you. I know you don't have all day for us, but uh, we'll have you back and talk about music. Yeah, I mean, like, but, I, but I just like give everything. me context. What was what was like? Um, okay. What was the first? I like to ask this question. What was okay. the first record you ever bought for yourself? With my own money? Yeah. Um, okay. Does a gift certificate count? Sure. This is a pretty good story. Because you chose it. It's a pretty good story. So um, this is a good story. So I was seven. I was born in 1975, 82. Yeah, I was seven, eight years old. Yeah. 
I was Foothills Fashion Mall, Fort Collins, Colorado. It was like a summer like promo days at the mall. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm in second grade. They have a hot air balloon in the parking lot. Oh wow! And the guy goes up in the hot air balloon and then he drops a bunch of like prizes out of the hot air balloon on like little parachutes and they would go all over the parking lot and people would like run around and try to grab them or whatever and i caught one and it was a gift certificate to the record store in the mall Uh and my mom was like okay cool like let's go get whatever it is right and i was like i get to pick right i get to pick she's like yeah you could pick whatever they can pick whatever you want and so i was like and it was and i knew what i was after but i did i wanted her on record saying i could pick whatever i wanted (laughs) And he walked right in and walked, and she's like, let's look around. I was like, nope. And I walked right through. It was on an end cap. And I took Number of the Beast off okay. the, the cassette for Number of the Beast off. Yeah. And my mom was like, whoa, 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 time out. And I was like, nope, you said in the parking lot, <laughs> I can pick whatever I want. This is it. <laughs> and like we argued in the store back and forth and I wouldn't let go. And so finally she let me do it. And yeah. then she let me get it. So I got it. And I was like, it had Eddie on the front yeah. and I was just like took it to school and like for like a whole day I just took it to school and showed it to people sure like this is mine yeah. I got this check it out it's got a skeleton on the front like yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean um, and then like the so that was like the very first thing and then it, I would go back and forth like, I had a really hard time with like in my hometown like I live in Fort mm-hmm. Collins it's a little town it's college town it's really nice now mm-hmm. but it's not like a cultural mecca or whatever sure like, it's gotten a lot better but yeah. like you know yeah bands don't come through no yeah like well when i was in high school um uh bill and steven from the descendants moved to fort collins and opened the blasting room and that was like oh my god like that's what the descendants live in my town but until between now and like that the happening it was like you know sixty thousand people lots of van halen records Mm -hmm. right um that's a funny story i had 1984 i thought it was a masterpiece sure and then when 5150 came out, I was like, what the, come on. And everybody in my school thought 5150 was the greatest thing that ever existed in yeah. history, yeah. right? Um, same thing happened with, um, with rap records. Uh-huh. Like, if you had taste, you, like, you were alone. Like, you just were, like, like you know what I mean? Yes. Like, you're alone. Yeah. Like, you were just it's the loneliest thing in the world. Sure. Um, like, I would ride my bike to the, the one record store that was by the college, put my money on the counter, they would lay records out, like, and it would, like the guy in the back finally, this guy's name was Mark Palmer, he was really nice to me. Like, was mm-hmm. like, okay, that kid actually knows what he's talking about. He would let me order shit out of magazines and help me get stuff. Yeah. Um, he introduced me to like the Buzzcocks and and um, My Bloody Valentine and like, and it would help me like work backwards, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so when Fifty One Fifty came out, like everybody's like, that's the greatest, whatever. And, and I was like, fuck, like, come on, people. Like you should be listening to these records, and mm-hmm. I had like a you know mm-hmm. had like an ESG record. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know ESG? Yeah. Um, and like so, and then people were like, "Well, we like the Beastie Boys," and I'm like, "The whole record is ESG samples." Like you know what I mean? Like it was the whole. Th- so yeah. there would be like that kind of tension. Um, and then the moment I knew that it wasn't going to be like a nerd thing, and it was going to be like a super cool thing, was when I took um, DOC's "No One Could Do It Better" to school on cassette, mm-hmm. and it got stolen. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh. Like someone actually wanted that, right? Yeah. Like to this day, by the way, that's another one. Put that in the podcast. High energy, full with the wisdom, sense of a rich man, knowledge and the rhythm. This is what I'm using to come up with a style. So I'll interact all together better with the crowd. Nervous for a second and the record starts spinning.
I mean, DOC, DOC is like a, it's a, it's the greatest, it's a great greatest tragedy. Greatest rapper of all time. Like, I'll die on that hill. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. That record's perfect. Yeah. Like, it's the, like, cause it, it's Dre before he's Dre. Uh -huh. It's DOC when nobody gives a shit who he was. Like, like, there's just, is like the, uh, the, the amount of potential, it's like, it's like listening to, um, it's like listening to London Calling. Like the amount of potential you hear in that is like you yeah. can hear the whole everything that happens afterwards is included in that one record. That's right. It's all in there. Yeah. Like it's like it's not perfect, but it is perfect. Yeah. Like it's like that's it. Like there was the moment that everybody else looked and saw it and whatever and but like so, it's the best. Um okay. That's the kind of glad listener I am. Also, I can school you on classic country if you want. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> you want to talk about Red Sovine or the Oak Ridge Boys? I do know the Oak Ridge Boys. <laughs> I, I know very little about country, and I, I try and, I'm working to keep it that way. Don Gibson. No, I mean, I'll make you, I'll make you a playlist of, like, incredible... If you make it, I'll listen to it. I'll make it. I'll totally make it. Um, so, there's an argument, because I'm about to make it, okay. that most artists do their best work when they're not under pressure. Yeah. The DOC album being a great example. Um, most artists first. Not under like commercial pressure? Right. Not like under most like, artists, only, it's only like self-generated pressure. Well, yeah, they've, okay. sure. But most artists' first record is their best. If we look at the mountain of good. Oh, yeah, for right? sure. Yeah, totally. Mostly, like, we should also have a law that like you have to break, like any rock band has to break up after their third record automatically. <laughs> like. That was good. We should do Bob's Laws. Let's that would be, like, out for sure. Okay, we'll make that a regular feature. We'll show. call it the, the U2 convention. <laughs> the U2 Accords. You so, get four records and you're out. <laughs> right? So yeah. it's really hard to sustain, mm -hmm. which is another thing we should talk about, and we're definitely going to have to have you back. But, um, uh, but that's the opposite of the tech model. Mm -hmm. that we're describing which is do more faster right and get yeah and so why yeah. how, how do you reconcile those two things I, they might be you might be on to something i mean like the biggest um most powerful influential tech companies of like a lot of them were accidents yeah like youtube was an, like they're, youtube was an accident kind of all of them right, right? So facebook of. facebook was a little more calculated but was still like Kinda. um but was still like not like no one's like, oh, here's what we're gonna do. Like, this no, is gonna it was plan. definitely like, like let's let, connect these people let's together. Let's get our friends at Harvard to right. just all be connected. Right? That's right. Yeah. Um, so this, when you have a really simple use case and a really elegant solution for it, and it's it, and that's when like you just build a thing to solve it for yourself mm -hmm. because you're like, oh, I want to do this thing. That's usually when you end up with sort of like incredible like planetary scale there's other things that are like counter to that mm -hmm. um but the ones that you know and touch in your life every day right like think of instagram is like yeah it's like those guys was like their third photo sharing app right like people need to share photos with each other yeah and we have these things in our pockets now that like everybody is now carrying a camera right and it was just like a really simple thing like people realizing that your phone was a camera that everybody had one and that was going to result in everybody is going to take a lot more photos and going to need to do something with them. Yeah. Simple. So simple. Right. Right. Um, and a really elegant interface and like, like the, the core use case of Instagram from day one to today 
is like 95% the same. Yeah. Like there's tons of other stuff right, right. buried there's under other tabs, with lots of product managers and lots of like engagement metrics and data to keep people engaged or whatever. But the reality right. of it is I'm going to share this photo with these people. Yeah. Um, same thing, Twitter. Mm -hmm. And so like, I think there's a lot to that, which is like YouTube guys just made YouTube because they wanted to and they could, and they saw something and they made it. Instagram so, dudes made it like, so that's how do you the same apply that artists, in, your, in your business? Um, so it's really like when you have it and you see it, like I think it's one of those things where you just have to like get out of the way. Mm -hmm. I think in our, in the way we make investments, um, I think we have had, we've made 30 investments. I think we have made two that fit that bill. I hope. Okay. Two. Um, the rest of them are like lots of other companies and like you're looking for interesting businesses, mm -hmm. right? Like Blink Identity, this company from last year, yeah, it yeah. does high love, speed facial recognition. Yeah. Um, they're working with Ticketmaster on your faces, your ticket, right? They come out of a military background. Anywhere there's a line, that's a security target. Mm -hmm. There needs to not be lines. These people's identity needs to be, uh, is what is the core of them being secure. Like knowing who's in the building, who's coming and going, who has permission. Like identity equals real security. Sure. Right? The rest of it's just theater. The metal detector at the airport, all that stuff, it's theater. It's make you feel like you're secure. Right. Um, that company is going to be a massive, giant, amazing thing. Their ability to see that and build a piece of software for it, it comes from like, you know, Alex building security networks that were like part of government ID in certain mm -hmm. countries, right? The mm -hmm. long history of them doing that and then going, oh, check this out. The technology off the shelf and the hardware off the shelf is good enough that we could build a solution for this that where you could start to have identity right even in any place where you have one of those RFID like access cards yeah that's a cool cool thing yeah um, so like that company is not sort of like the big consumer YouTube like consumer right, right, tech sure. thing yeah, but yeah. it's going to be a massive business They're solving an important problem yeah yeah and so. I, that's a, um, but they, that's one where like they went looking, they saw there's a big problem and they knew that they could do it and they apply their stuff to it. It yeah. wasn't the happy accident of, I need right. to share these videos with my friends. How do I do that? For sure. Um, so you have to make both. Yeah. Like the other ones are so rare. Like you're just lucky to be around. Hey, if you're enjoying this one, uh, we can stay on the tech entrepreneurship angle. Go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Check out my interview with Josh Luber, the founder of StockX. StockX is the stock market of things. They were just uh, announced last week that NASDAQ gave them a $1 billion valuation. So obviously Josh and his team are out there killing it. Uh, go, go ahead and check that one out after you finish up here, of course. So, so going back to that uh, Iron Maiden album. <laughs> um, so this is not a good. This sounds more kind of old guy curmudgeon than I intended to be. Mm -hmm. But you know, a little get off my lawn comment right now. No, no. But but you know, look, technology slash everything else about our society has ruined that moment for for your kids. Oh, and disagree mine. totally. Okay. Uh, let's go. I'll go to the math on this. Okay. Good. Getting on my bike with a $20 bill to go to the record store to buy a record I hope I wanted fucking sucked. Fuck that. Uh, not when you actually got it. Nope. Mm -mm. Uh-uh. That's nostalgia. 
kill you have to kill nostalgia like you can't like culture like nostalgia is bad i don't know nostalgia is bad like you can't like i I do it all the time in my job i like look like next like what's the next coolest thing like could you imagine how magical it would have been i'm in my bedroom in my parents house my dad's listening to like larry gatlin and the gatlin brothers my mom's listening to ferrani and teicher piano records Uh and like i'm dying for some time to get my records on yeah and instead i could go up in my room and have access to like i I would pour out, like I would, I'd get into the Buzzcocks or Wire. I had a whole yeah. couple of years where like I went so deep on like that, like new romantics and the post-punk stuff mm-hmm. coming out of the UK. You can't get that shit in 1985 in Fort Collins, Colorado. Like there ain't no Buzzcocks record. At the, you know what I mean? Like No, I get it. Like I, I would have had access to that. I could have communicated with people who were like that. Like I spent my whole childhood, look, genuinely not believing I could work in arts and culture. Uh-huh. And that I didn't belong in it because uh-huh. I came from a place where that didn't, like, it didn't happen. People went right. on vacation to places where arts and culture came from. I didn't know anybody who was a musician. I didn't know anybody who was an artist. I didn't know anybody who could make TV or film. I didn't know anybody who contributed to culture. And I couldn't see it. Like, I just couldn't touch it, couldn't understand how it worked. So I was I... 32 years old working as an intern. <laughs> Yeah. At a grad school because I finally realized when I was like in my late twenties that I was as good at, at and relevant in this scene as anybody else. Mm-hmm. And it took that long for me to realize it and a bunch of happy accidents with some artists I was associated with where I was just like, All right, well if that dude manages that band, I am I got him I'm in. Like because mm-hmm. that guy's an idiot. Mm-hmm. And if I was doing his job, I could put real money in that band's pocket. Yeah. And that was an accident. And if I would have had access and had been able to talk to people and get access to the things I loved and consumed, like I'd be, I'd have been a totally different person a lot earlier. So what I worry about, and I don't know if it's just nostalgia, um, okay. but what I worry about is that I believe that scarcity creates value. That's a basic rule of economics. Yeah. Right? And that, you know, it's yeah. the difference between getting helicopter dropped at the top of Everest and enjoying the view versus having struggled to get up there. Okay, that's a different story. But like, you still have to listen to stuff. You still have to have opinions. Yeah, you still have to figure out how you contribute. Like, you wanna hear a weird story? Yeah, that's why we're here. Um, I'm not a big Pearl Jam fan. Like, I never was really super into it or whatever. And I was yeah. always like, I, mean, I never was, I wasn't a hater. Mm-hmm. I was just yeah. like. No, I'm the same. I was like, this is cool. It's cool. I like it, it's all right. I got Who's Next. I got live at Leeds. Like right. I, I know what this is, um, but I was like, I must remember I was on an airplane or something or whatever, and I and it's like I was reading a um, magazine, and there was like an interview with Eddie Vedder, and he was talking about stuff, and someone asked him a question about like, uh, maybe it was around when they did a record with Neil Young or something, and he's like the line that's really stuck with me to this day, which was, and again I'm like not a fan of the dude at all. It was a really weird thing to have like this Eddie Vedder quote burned in my brain, right? It's like a like it seems it sounds awkward saying it, kind of embarrassed saying it. But the line was something like, "You, if you want to meet your heroes, or like if you aspire to meet people that you look up to, yeah. your job is to figure out how to meet them in the way where you're meeting them as a peer. Yeah, like your job is to go do something that makes them look at you the same way you look at them. Sure, then you can meet them. Then you can actually have a relationship with people that you look up to and care about." Mm-hmm. And that has come true for me in my life like a dozen times. And every time it happens, I'm back on that plane 
in reading the magazine with my bad convention publishing job. You know what I mean? Like yeah. going to like some shitty convention somewhere, reading the music magazine, and I can just see. I can just. I can't like I don't. I'm not getting the words right. You know what I mean? But like I can feel that feeling in that weird moment. Yeah. And I think that's what you're talking about, which is like. You have to do the work. Mm -hmm. like you have to get to the point where like people treat you like they're your peers, yeah. and that you have something to offer that's not the same thing that, like, yeah. And and I think that's that and nostalgia get mixed up. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean. Right. Like yeah. having access to tons of music allows you to form your taste really quickly and get and like, like I kind of I can't even imagine what I've been like growing up with Spotify. I wouldn't have left my parents' basement for like a year. Right. I'd have been down there for like a year. Yeah. Sure. Um. And I and my I would have like so my taste would still be my taste like I don't think that my taste is a product of having to like you know ride my bike across town and oh I don't know really yeah because I think that dude at the counter you know because I think our I I I believe that taste is subjective okay right and that um, so much of that has to do with um, how we learn about music and who introduces it to us this influence model right and uh yeah there are friends who had shown me one record and then the next one i was more interested in because of who they were that you know any music my wife plays for me i automatically don't like uh <laughs> you know or it's harder for me to give it a shot because i know what else she likes that's so funny right so context i think matters that's like me swallowing the Eddie Vedder quote right there. That's <laughs> exactly. Like, God, am I really telling? Did I really say that on a right? podcast? Shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Have you ever liked a song and then found out who it was by and like, oh man. I have. Sucks, I have. Right? I, that, that's true. I have done that. So all this stuff matters. Like, it's a very complicated that. algorithm for how we like what we like. Yes. And um, and so unlimited, unfettered access certainly has tremendous benefits. I also think it has tremendous costs. All right. And You're making a valid point there. It, it, it's not one or the other, right? It's yeah. A, I'm not saying we should get rid of streaming. Yeah. I love it. I use it oh every day. Oh, my God. It's the best thing that's ever happened. Sure. Yeah. But I also think that there is, for for a 12-year-old kid, 8-year-old kid coming up today, they're gonna they're not going to get to have that experience of pent-up desire, at least not for music. Yeah, it's true. I um, guess You're right. You're right. The which is also desire valuable. part. The, the pent-up desire part is a motivator. Yeah. yeah. I think it's equally... That's a really valid point. Maybe more so even on the creator side, right? Like that, the, the pent-up, you know, creative energy that you're just trying to get out to the world and you can't get anyone, you know... So on that point, that's where I think where we're headed technologically that's going to be really interesting. Good, because that's my next question. Because I think that is like... There are places on the planet... Um, like we have a company in our portfolio called Popgun, which I won't say that much about. You can do a little research online. You can see, mm -hmm. see some of the stuff they're doing. Um, you know, they've got um, pretty incredible like adversarial neural network technology making pop songs. Mm -hmm. They're they're making pop songs entirely with AI. Yeah. And the thing about that is not not that that's going to replace musicians, right? Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of people just immediately turned the podcast off or went and buried their hand in the sand, right? Yeah. Buried their head in the sand. Um, that's not the issue. Right. The, the issue, like, you're still going to need humans. You're still going to have to curate. You're still going to have to put things together. People are still going to have to be engaging. Yeah. But, like, the things that are below the line in music, like tuning, where's the mic positioned, mm -hmm. all these things that have become craft over the years, yeah. that's not what you're listening to. Right. Like, you're, all, it doesn't matter. Right. Like, no, 
Like I can care. Like it does and it doesn't. Right. It it only does. I mean, only we, we're not the, conscious of it. That's right. But it it, it matters only in so much as that it, it was required to make to move you. Yeah. Right. So if you can take that stuff away, like mm -hmm. no one cares how you tune the instrument. If the instrument's in tune, we get the tuning you want. If software did it, great. If if you auto-tuned it, great. If you quantized it, great. Doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Like the answer is like, does it move me when I listen to it? Right. So imagine you have a machine that makes stuff and you can quickly curate it and every human being on the planet can now do that. What that means is like there are kids in Lagos and there are kids in Mumbai and there are kids in like crazy places in Eastern Europe that have no concept of like participating in global culture. Sure. And they're in the next three to five years, I think personally, technically, they will have the same technical ability that we have sitting in this crazy room that we're sitting in right now mm -hmm. with all the studio equipment and the compressors and everything else. Everything that can get made in this room two, three years from now, maybe less, could be made in a, like on a bed in Ghana. On a bed in yeah, Mali, I don't doubt it. Yeah. right? On a bed yeah. in 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 Mumbai or in in Lahore and Pakistan or in Indonesian islands or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And those kids are rad. Yeah, and they have crazy ideas and they have cultural things that are attached to them that will move us in ways that like we don't even understand yet because sure. we live in our little like Western, like mm -hmm. like you know modern economy bubble, and we think oh pop music is this right, right? and yeah. like they're gonna make pop music be something totally different. Yeah. It's um, gonna be awesome. Okay, before I let you get out of here, it's a couple, awesome. <laughs> couple last questions. That, no, I'm, I'm, I think that's exciting. Um, but to your point about pent up, like desire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like they have absolutely. it, like deep. For sure. Because they've been, they just have never, they have no chance, and then all of a sudden they're gonna have a chance. Yeah. They got mobile phones, and the internet, and it's on. Yeah. So I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you've learned a ton. Oh God! Doing this. You mean doing like really trying to make investments? Tech stars, yeah. Yeah. What's been the biggest surprise? It's so hard. Yeah. I mean, you can be wrong like infinite ways. Um, it's really hard. Like it's really about the team, team, mm -hmm. team, team. Like, are these people? Do these people have something special? And are they in love with a problem, not their solution? Like, this is a trap right? right a lot of people are in love with their solution they're yeah. in love with their magic trick yeah they're not in love with the problem <laughs> so like are they in love with the problem and if they solve this problem do we have a you know billion dollar company yeah and that trying to be able to make those decisions and look in a very specific narrow category companies solving problems for music mm -hmm. and then build relationships with investors who traditionally have not been that interested in the music category mm -hmm. because startup you know music startups People think, oh, you have the same economics as Spotify, right. and you've got all these big companies that are using music as a loss leader yeah. um, economically, and so that's like a really impossible way for you to compete. And then people come, like, so we're trying to get investors to come just show up in our room mm -hmm. and look at what the companies are, right? Like, I can't tell you how many investors, just as an aside, like, are paying attention to our program now this year because Blink was in the program last year. Sure. And everybody was like, that's not a music company. What are you doing in Techstars Music? And right. they're like, oh, well, if your face is your ticket, yeah. like, and concerts can be safer, right. that's awesome. That's what we want to invest in. That's company solving problem for music. Yeah. Are they a music company? No. That's a biometric security company. Sure. It's really a door company, if you think about it, right? <laughs> yeah. um, they make the door from Star Trek. Um, but that's <laughs> so hard. Like, it's like, yeah. so I've learned, I've learned, um, I've learned how to like talk about 
what we're doing and why in ways that I wasn't mm -hmm. very eloquent about. Yeah. And I'm not very good at it yet. Like I have to get a lot better at it. Like I have a pretty good network and people, um, I'm connected to a lot of people and I'm very blessed by like having mm -hmm. done that. But all of my network was, is a result of work I have done. It wasn't a result of like actually networking. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which um, is how it should be. And I kind of suck at actually networking. Networking sucks. The problem is if you're an investor, it's part of your job. Like it's like you kind of have to figure out a way to like communicate with people and meet them and build connections so that you can connect other people. Like sure. my job has become now Fair not do work and connect people to the, to the work or to myself. It's to like help other people do work and right. connect other people to them. Yeah. And that's a like a lever of abstraction that I like was really unprepared for. Mm. Also, it sucks when you're wrong. Right, like it sucks when you're like you have a you you invest in a company and it's not working, yeah, and and um, maybe or you think it could work one way and the founder thinks it could work another way and you just have to shut up. Yeah. It's like it's your company, go run it. Yeah, um, that's really hard. I didn't like how a, a lot of these things like you know mm -hmm. and you're intellectually know, but mm -hmm. you're like emotionally don't know. And then yeah, you, and then you have to emotionally know it. Totally. Okay, lightning round before I let you out of here. Okay, go. Favorite city to travel to? Tokyo. Yes. Favorite DJ? Oh, shit. Um, oh, man. That's a hard one. Favorite DJ? AM. Yeah, he yeah. was awesome. Yeah. What's the last great book you read? Unscaled. Uh, I forget the name of the author. Um, it's about... Um, the sort of like next wave of text nonfiction super nerd book cool um yeah we'll look it up oh uh, yeah Un it's called unscaled i can't i really can't think of the author it's yellow it's got a it's okay we'll find yeah, it it's good yeah. it's really good nice what movie have you seen the most in your life <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh man this is reaction. gonna be super embarrassing <laughs> uh it is either tommy boy uh-huh that's a great movie um purple rain Wow. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. It's either Tommy Boy, Purple Rain, or Caddyshack. Those are two and a half great movies. <laughs> uh, we watched it's probably Tommy Boy just because, like, if you count well, the, the number, if you the count movie. the number of times I was like asleep on the couch while I was playing when yeah. I was in college, yeah, it's yeah. definitely Tommy Boy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the best of the three. I love Purple Rain. <laughs> Purple Rain is a terrible movie. My wife movie. and I watched it's it last movie. year, and it's it so does bad. not hold up. I watch it all. all the time. I watch it constantly. But for a young man of a certain age, like that was a fantastic movie. Like I remember going to the theater. Like I remember seeing like the like, Purple Rain came. I can't remember when it came out, but it came out about the same time as like E. T. Right. Yeah. Like they, I don't know if they overlapped. Yeah, yeah, eighty four. Yeah, I don't know if they overlapped 84. like in, in the real world, right, but in right, my right. little small town, yeah, they overlapped, right. and you could see them at the theater, and everybody That's was right. going to see E.T. over and over again, and I was going to see Purple Rain over and over again. <laughs> wow, yeah. I only saw it once in the theater, but no, that's great. Look, we had VCRs till like I was in high school. Yeah. So, um, on on that theme, what? Tell me a song you know is bad, but you love it anyway. Oh shit. <laughs> uh song I know is bad but love it anyway. Um Oh man, that's tough. Uh 
Okay. So I'm gonna just gonna come out. I'm, this is, I'm gonna. I'm. I don't know why I'm gonna say this, but I'm gonna say it. Bless you. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. <laughs> I don't know if I can say. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can say it. I honestly don't know if I can say it. Deep breath. Can you put on the handle? Yeah, I'm gonna. Really, you can. I'm, uh. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know what? I'm not. You know oh, what? I'm not. I can't do You're it. Killing me. I can't do it. I can't do it because I'm. My son's gonna listen to this podcast, and he loves the song, and I uh, like it because of him, and I love it, and I'm not gonna do. It, and I'm not gonna do it. You're a good father. It's a Twenty One Pilots song, oh. which is enough for me to just. I wouldn't like, know it anyway. But yeah. All right. Okay. Also, I don't want to just say whatever. It feels bad. Um. So if I worked for you, uh huh. What's something I would hear? <clears throat> what's something I would hear you say over and over? I I don't know. It's your company. That's like my classic. Like it's your company. I don't know. Do what you want. That's helpful. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> I'm not, sure that's helpful when people came to you. Yeah, it's not good. Like I say it over and over again because it's the only way I know how to like um, draw a line. Like there's a re like I get I get really worried about being. I don't want to be complicit in making a bad decision. Yeah. And I'm I already am definitely complicit in making some bad decisions with some of the companies we've invested in. Mm -hmm. And so there's a like I don't do any work. I don't um, like I don't work on the company work, right? Like I do lots of work, but I don't yeah. work on the company. Yeah. And I don't have any control. I'm not the boss. You don't have to listen to me. You can tell me to shut up. Like I don't. Mm -hmm. um, and so I say that I say that a lot. Like I don't know, and it's your company. Also, I'm late a lot. Like um, I'm sort of tragic, chronically late. You were on time here. Um, uh, but it's like a constant thing of like, I think as an optimist, yeah. I think I can do 10 things in some unit of time and yeah. I can only do six things in that unit of time. Yeah. And then I'm guilty of that. Um, it's it sucks. Yeah. Um, and I need to figure out a way to be better at it. The problem is, is that if you let the calendar run, then you get even less done. Like I have to like right. do things to completion. Yeah. And so sometimes like, Oh, I have to do this task. Like I've been writing a report this week like nonstop and tasks keep coming up that change the contents of the report. So I keep constantly changing it. And yeah, sure. And the staff of the program is like, send the report. And right. I'm just like, it's not done. Like I got to, it's the, it'll be done when it's done. Yeah. And that's the, like, um, so you would also, if you worked with me, you would constantly hear me be like, it's not finished. I'm almost done. Almost. But I mean, and, and the, that first one is such an important quality for, for leaders period. Right. Because, um, you know, that's when I run into people are, who are successful and are in leadership positions, they're typically spending um, a big chunk of their time doing the work of the people who work for them. Yeah. Right. And, uh -huh. and because they because that is a skill set that is takes work to develop mm -hmm. to say that's your job. It's not my job. And you have to do it even if you don't do it perfectly. Right. Yeah. The delegating is delegating is a real talent yeah. and it is a it's frustrating for talented people <clears throat> right who could do like it's a, it's a it, this is a, and this is a thing that we actually talk to the ceos of our the companies we invest in a lot mm -hmm. which is there's generally when the company's like four or five six people there's generally one or two people who are really the show yeah and everybody else is there like helping the show happen mm -hmm. and one of the biggest risks to a fledgling startup especially a deeply technical one is that the 
you know, the CEO or the, like the lead founder of that, of that company is better than everybody at everything else in the business. Yeah. And so what happens is they hoard tasks. And so what you end up with is one person dying right. and not talking about it and hoarding the tasks and keeping the work inside and getting super stressful Yeah. and five other people keeping busy. Right. Yeah. But those people never get better. No, like, they, ne- right. they never get better. And they also like end up resenting resent the other person. For sure. And because they're like, you, why don't you trust me? Why won't you let me do this stuff? Totally. And then some, and then, so they're, they're, they, their issues are at a high level, yeah. right? At a 35,000 foot level. Why don't you trust me? Why am I not on the team? Yeah. Share the ball, whatever. And then what happens is it immediately switches to the micro level. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, well, look at this thing. Here's the task I need you to do. Right. You do this thing. Could you do that better than me? Right. And now you're on this little micro level about this specific task. For and it's sure. like, oh, no, you know what? You should do that. You're better at me than that. Right. And then it just was like a, it's like a vicious cycle that yeah. never changes. That's absolutely it's, we had to like be very conscious of it. With We had it with a founder last year. And um, the founder last year was like, did the most self-aware thing ever, which was like, come to me with it. He oh, comes cool. to me and he goes, I have a problem. He doesn't come to me with like my team has a problem. He doesn't say my company has a problem. He's like, it's me. Yeah. I'm the problem. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's big. And it was amazing. That's I was like, huge. wow, that's the first time I've ever heard anybody recognize <clears throat> that. Yeah. It's that's a real, awesome. It's a real thing. Nice. Man, thank you for coming. Dude, this is fun. I, I feel uh, like I just talk shit for 45 minutes well, and they're going to so, kick me out and I'm going to be all embarrassed when I hear it. So we'll come back after <laughs> demo day and we'll talk about music and... And all that fun stuff. Okay. I should have um, just told you that I was like, it was a Huey Lewis song or something that I loved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could have taken the easy way out. <laughs> I could have just totally been like, oh, no, you know what? It's like, I want a new drug by Huey Lewis. It's like, that's a pretty that good. That is a good bad song. That's a pretty good bad song, yeah. right? Now that I had time to front and think yeah. about it. Do people front when they when you ask them what their first record was? I haven't, or do they really I haven't like, seen that. Does anybody go like, oh, I got like a Mariah Carey record or whatever? Like, just, yeah, yeah, people. Okay, people good. tell okay, us good. all kind of okay, stuff. Okay, good. Some that they're embarrassed of and whatever, but I mean, number of the beats, nothing to be embarrassed of. Well, I didn't spend any money on that, but I just only bought it because right. it had a skeleton on the cover, and I was in second grade. <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, also, it's awesome!" Like, I was super is a real excited. Thing. Yeah, totally, yeah, for sure, totally. Um, so everyone should check out TechStars online. Yeah, We're... we are TechStarsMusic.com. Nice. Um, I I would invite people to to like use the companies and yeah. like all of our stuff's pretty hard to get access to. Like it's not open to the public or any sure. of that sort of stuff. But like, um, I will do something that is, that will, is in case someone's listening to this and is like, Oh, I got to start up and I, I like tech and I like music. Yeah. Um, my email address is Bob Moz, B O B M O Z at techstars.com. Nice. Like my job is to be accessible and look at your thing. So yeah. If you are listening to this and you have a thing, I will look at it. Submit it. Yeah. Nice. Exactly. Awesome. Techstarsmusic.com. Dude, so much fun. Yeah, super fun. Hey, I hope you liked that. I know I did. That was Bob Moz on Rebel Radio. Uh, Leave us a comment, a review. You can hit us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you like. It's at Rebel Radio Net. Um, And, of course, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.